Hello and welcome to episode seven of the Coaching Competent Podcast. My name is David Bertelsall. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, to everyone that's watching this on Instagram, I just want to say initially, I'm sorry that this is at a different time to the time it's normally at. Obviously, I usually do this on a Thursday at 6.30 p.m. and it is a Wednesday at 4 5 p.m. So I know that a lot of you guys in the UK are going to struggle to watch this now, but you know, sometimes life comes up and uh, the truth of the matter is that one of my dear friends is, he's an Australian lad and he's been living in London for, um, oh, I'd say like five years now. And today is the first and only opportunity that I've ever had to meet his parents. So um, unfortunately, priorities and actions reflect them i have to have one opportunity to go and meet his parents so i have shifted today's live as a direct result of that um hello to everyone that's already <clears throat> on the live that's commenting thank you so much for for joining me today um if you are watching this or listening to it as a podcast um the way that you can get involved is by simply following me on instagram at david.bertwistle uh, because I record this live on Instagram every week and the questions that come in are from you guys. They are questions that you've asked me either in the DMs or um, in reply to the sticker that I put up on my story the day before the um, Instagram live goes out and this podcast is recorded. All the questions come from you guys. So if you've just found this podcast and you want to know how you can get your questions answered, that is how you do it. You simply follow me on Instagram at david.bertwistle and then the day before you can just check the story and then get your questions in or just simply DM me at any point. Um, now today we've got, as always, three topics and three questions from each of those topics. The topics uh, we're covering today are nutrition, training and mindset. Um, each of those topics I go through and like I said I have three questions which have come from you guys um, but one question I got asked today um, actually yesterday in reply to the story question was actually about my tattoo which if you guys are watching this on Instagram you can see and um, if you go onto my Instagram there's probably a picture of me somewhere on there I have a tattoo on my inside of my bicep and it is the only tattoo that I have I got it about 18 months ago and if I'm completely honest I never thought that I would actually get a tattoo because to me that is an awful lot of commitment <laughs> it's something that I'm not going to be able to get rid of um, and so my tattoo is of three wolves primarily there's one big wolf um, kind of pointing down towards my elbow and then two wolves slightly higher up my arm uh, along with that, there's some triangles which kind of make up a mountain scape with um, trees outlined in there as well. And um, someone asked me about my tattoo. They asked, like, what does it mean or why would you get it or anything like that? So the truth of the matter is that um, my brother, I've mentioned before, he moved to Sydney um, January 2018. And... <clears throat> Before he moved to Sydney, he lived in my flat with my sister and uh, my sister's boyfriend, Adam. And we were like chatting about the idea of it. And then like one day, my bro just comes in and he's like, yeah, man, I've just got a tattoo. And he had this tattoo on his forearm. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, my God, that is so cool. <laughs> and he like told me that one of the 
Um, one of the wolves is him. One of the wolves is me. One of the wolves is my sister. The triangles that make up the mountain are, in fact, to represent the strength of three. And it, with a triangle, if you lose one of the sides, then the whole thing collapses. And so, literally, I looked at it, looked at him, asked him where he got it, called up the tattoo artist that day, said, excuse me, mate, when is your next available slot? He went, I can, I've, I haven't got anything available for months except for Tuesday at like two o'clock in the afternoon. So I had to call up my clients on the day and tell them this story and then go, hey guys, listen, um, this is what's going on do you mind if we just move our, our sessions around? They're like, yeah, absolutely no problem. So I went in, got onto the, um, the, the parlor bed or whatever it's called, onto the sofa thing where the uh, the tattoo takes place. And he looked at me and went, is this your first tattoo? I was like, yeah, it is. He goes, well, are you sure you want to get it done there? And I looked at him and was like, yeah, because I, I like the idea that my tattoo is kind of hidden, like it's under here. Like if you look at me, like it's not a super obvious place. Um, <clears throat> so I was like, yeah, I just want to get it done here. It's kind of subtle. He went, all right. And my brother went, are you sure? And I was like, yes. <laughs> so I lie there and he starts doing it. And you know how some people say tattoos don't hurt and other people say tattoos really hurt? Well, this really hurt. The truth is that apparently getting the under part of your bicep, like under your tricep tattooed near your armpit, apparently that's one of the most painful places you can get it because it's really thin skin here. I didn't know that and they didn't tell me. They just asked me if that's the place I wanted to get the tattoo. <laughs> so I was fully committed at this point, sat there for two hours, I think two and a half hours or whatever like sweating obviously like <laughs> it wasn't a comfortable two hours and then I came out and I have now got this tattoo on the underside of my bicep which is the exact same tattoo as the one that my brother has on his forearm and I always thought I'd never get a tattoo until that moment when it meant so much to me because my brother was leaving the country. He was going to move to Sydney and um, he's been there ever since. He hasn't been back to the UK since he's applied for his permanent residency and he's going to be living in Sydney now for what can only be seen as the foreseeable future. So every time I look at my tattoo, it may reminds me of my brother and our connection. So... I don't know if I'd get another tattoo unless it was something as significant as that. But yeah, that's the story of my one and only tattoo. Now, I think we should probably get on to something you guys really care about. <clears throat> the questions that you lot have fired in. Um, so like I said, we've got training, nutrition, and mindset. Three questions from each. The very first question we have got coming in. Um, the question was, after you've dieted and you, like, how do you gain muscle after that without getting fat? Basically, how can you gain muscle after you've dieted without gaining uh, fat in the process? And um, my first thought is that I know that often when we diet, it can be really difficult to um, come off that and not just want to eat everything in sight because we've gone through a period of 
deprivation and restriction psychologically you want to kind of just eat everything you can get your hands on and you want to um push back against that restriction and honestly that is realistically one of the worst things you can do because if you've dieted for a long period of time your um your metabolism has going to have slowed it's potentially going to have adapted and so to then go back to eating a lot of food or eating what you used to think of as a normal amount of food, because you're potentially smaller, your metabolism's lower, your requirement for energy is smaller, your body's going to store that as fat quite quickly because you're actually theoretically over-consuming calories a lot more than you would have done in your pre-diet state. So what is the smartest thing to do is reverse diet. <laughs> If you guys just heard that, that was my mic just dropping. <laughs> I'm going to have to just fix that. That is too funny. The mic literally just dropped and basically hit me on the face. <laughs> that is... <laughs> oh, gosh. Amateurs. This is amateur hour around here. Hopefully that's going to stay. <laughs> Uh, I just can't get the staff these days. Who set that mic up anyway? Definitely wasn't me. Uh, so what I was saying is if you've dieted for a long period of time, you're potentially going to have adjusted to that low point of calories. And so the best thing you can do is reverse diet. And reverse dieting, like I mentioned last week, is when you steadily and systematically increase the amount of calories that you consume so that your body has the time to adjust to those new calories. It's not shocked into it. Because if you think about it, your body doesn't want to be super lean, right? Your body wants to hold some body fat. And if you have basically told your body you're not getting much food for a long period of time and then you give it loads of food it's just going to be like yeah this is amazing give me all the calories i love calories it's just going to store those as additional body fat in preparation for the next time that you diet so increasing your calories by like five to ten percent of your total calorie intake per week is around about a good place to start so for me the last time i reverse dieted I increased my calories by 100 calories per week. Um, so as in per day for the length of time of a week. And then I'd increase it again and again and again. And what that did was it allowed my body to react. It allowed it to adjust. I got bigger. I put on more muscle mass and I didn't put on any fat because I didn't shock my system. So we got to think of it like, you know, it's an energy balance. Everything is an energy balance. If we give ourselves loads of extra calories, then we're gonna store those calories as fat. It's, it's pretty simple. Um, if we're sensible and we're smart and we kind of steadily increase that amount, then it's a lot easier for our bodies to adjust to and therefore um, you won't gain as much fat. You, won't, you shouldn't really gain any fat. If you reverse diet properly, if you keep a manage on your energy balance and like how much is coming in and how much is going out, then you can gain muscle without gaining fat <clears throat> when you're on a bulk you don't have to smash off a dominoes every day you don't need to be in like a 2000 calorie surplus to gain muscle mass in fact you don't need to be in much of a surplus at all like 10 to 20 percent of your maintenance calories 
you should be significantly enough extra calories for your body to adapt and build muscle mass. So for me, um, I put on about two kilos of muscle um, on about a 500, 600 calorie surplus. And that was um, over the course of about two or three months, something like that. So there we go. Um, right, moving on. The next question we came in was, it's a bit of an abstract question if I'm honest. Related to training, the question was, how do you train for health and happiness? And um, it's quite an interesting concept to think about that because most of us don't train for health and happiness. Most of us vanity train, at least at the start of our journey with um, fitness. And we'll train because we want to look good. Uh, we'll train because we want to either feel better about ourselves. We want to feel more confident. We want to feel more sexy. We want to like pull better looking people. We want to have a, like a nice attractive partner. Um, all of those kind of things. But I think that as we progress, as we kind of go through that journey of self-discovery along the process of kind of losing body fat and gaining muscle and getting used to this training thing we call training, um, it does change. And to the point where like now, my personal training goals are not really to do with aesthetics that much at all. I mean, recently I'm kind of in the contrast, contradictory to my last statement. I'm currently in the middle of a mini cut, I suppose, but it's not a, it's not like the main focus of my training. The main focus of my training is to get fitter and get stronger, to be able to train for longer and to be healthy. So how do you train for health and happiness, I suppose, is by understanding what those values mean to you. So training for health, it could be that you wanna be competently able to move around in your environment and deal with life as it comes, run after your kids, um, go for hikes and stuff, like be able to look after yourself into your 70s and 80s and 90s and not be dependent on somebody else, making sure you've got good joint movement, um, you're not kind of stiff and weak and imbalanced in certain places. I think like for me, that's what I, I kind of think of as that as training for health. It's making sure that like your heart is functioning properly, that you're stimulating your body significantly enough to allow it to grow and be strong and not be strong just in the production of force in your muscles, but be strong to be able to overcome adversity if you need to. Like if there was some sort of natural disaster or if there was some sort of environmental situation whereby you'd need to be out of your comfort zone of your house and have to kind of live in the world in a way, like that'd be quite nice to know that you wouldn't be completely fucked if, in that situation. So for me, I think training for health is those elements. It's making sure that you're capable enough to do the things that you need to do in life, that you don't have pain. That's the kind of like main thing I suppose of being healthy is being pain free um, and like working on your weaknesses. Then the second part of training for happiness, that's a slightly different perspective because that's like indulging in the things that will make you happy. So it's like training the things that you're good at and it gives you a little ego boost and a little bit of confidence and those kind of things. Um, training for happiness for me is like I get happy knowing that I can push really really hard in a workout or that I, I'm seeing progression and 
um, and that obviously I'm looking good in the in the process. Like those are the kind of things that make me happier around my training. So I think that question is going to be one that you're going to need to ask yourselves if you're listening to this is what do I prioritize with my fitness and also what element of it makes me happy? Um, as these all of this this whole podcast is really to kind of promote you guys to ask yourselves questions and it's not for me to always give the answers but to just open a dialogue and allow you guys to kind of think and process these these thoughts and allow you to kind of go further on your fitness journey rather than just thinking about it from like a diet in 10 days thing or some sort of like quick fix solution you know um, if it's one thing I've definitely learned about this whole process is that fitness isn't a quick fix. It's not a short-term thing and you're going to get the most out of this idea of fitness if you invest in it as part of your lifestyle. Um, if we think of it as like something I've got to do, then you're always going to be like lagging behind. Whereas if you think of it as something that you are lucky to be able to do, you're lucky to be able to go to the gym and train. You're lucky to be able to go for a run with your dog. You're lucky to be like competent in your body and able to treat it with respect to look after it. That's kind of what I think of it a bit more as now, especially that like obviously as you get older, certain little niggles and injuries and weaknesses come in. Like currently I'm struggling with um, sciatic pain and that's something that I've got to like really look at now and I'm going to be going to see the back specialist tomorrow to see what they think about it because you know neural pain sciatic pain affects so many people um, it's something that we need to try and understand and because it can be really uh, debilitating so uh, yeah I think health is just generally being pain free now moving on to uh, our first mindset question this is one that's coming and um Again, it's quite an abstract question, but I think it's quite relevant. The question is, how do you find a balance in life? And my initial thought on this was, I don't think we ever find a true balance because we've got so many elements of life to consider. You know, you've got your own health and fitness, you've got um, nutrition, you've got your family and relationships, you've got social life, you've got um, obviously your job, those kind of things, you've got um, any sort of like personal development, your mind and your mental health as well. You're battling with all of that and also the expectations of others and you've got your own kind of journey that you've got to go on. So like my initial thought was, I don't think we ever do find true balance. I think that we go through life and at certain points along that journey, certain elements of all of these requirements become more of a priority than others. And when they become more of a priority than others, invariably something is going to not suffer, but have to take a lower stage on that priority list. And that's fine. That is completely fine. I know that especially in the fitness industry there's the hashtag balance tag which gets thrown about all the time and it makes sometimes it can make you think that everything has to be balanced the whole time and I personally don't think it does I think that at times through your life there's going to be things which matter a lot more than others you know 
your everything could be going absolutely perfectly and then out of the blue a member of your family gets ill and then all of a sudden this whole area of balance completely changes because obviously spending time with the person that's ill helping them to recover looking after them all of those things become a much higher priority than what was already conceived as your balance and that's fine you shouldn't be trying to balance everything when you've got someone that's sick that needs looking after because that is obviously a higher priority Um, so effectively I think that it's just a case of like weighing up those things like what really at that moment in time is a priority to you and then thinking okay I'm going to put this much time into this this is the goal that I'm trying to achieve and then we can readdress and readdress and readdress over time Um, yeah I think that's probably like the most honest way I can put it because Priorities, they they definitely change over time and and we can't be expected to be completely balanced throughout life. Shit happens. We've just got to roll with the punches. Right, moving on to a uh, nutrition question. This is the second of the nutrition questions that we've come in today. Uh, Someone asked me how my diet is currently going and like what I've changed to kind of get the results and get the changes that um have happened so first and foremost i'd say my diet's been really great i'm actually really really happy with how things have been going and the progress that i've been making i actually just went to um evolve gym in fulham which is where i did my first body scan uh, about two weeks ago. i think it was actually two weeks ago today um the interesting thing is that on my on my home scales um on monday two weeks ago i weighed in at 90.5 kilos when I went to the Evolve two weeks ago, today it was 90 kilos. And then when I weighed in today, I was 89 kilos. So in like two, two and a half weeks, I've lost between one and one and a half kilos, which is a fantastic rate of weight loss. It's um, meant that I've been in theory in about a 500 calorie a day deficit, which is perfect because although I'm getting the results, I'm feeling leaner, I'm feeling like definitely leaner around my waist, my um, kind of, what do you guys, what do we call them? Like the, the fat on the lower part of my back, just above my hips, that is, that's where I store my fat. And so um, that's something that's come back down for me. And uh, so that's fantastic. Like I'm really happy with the progress that I'm making. I'm feeling good. And then like the side effects of being in a deficit, they've not really been that major. Because I've only been in a minor deficit of like 500 calories, it's meant that I've not really been hungry as such. Like there's been times when I'm like, yeah, I need to eat. Um, I've not eaten in like six hours or something. I need to get some food in. And um, obviously that's, you know, that would happen to most people. But I've not been like fatigued. I've not been irritable. I've not had massive cravings. Um, I've been eating generally whole foods and sticking to um, like lots of vegetables and lean proteins and like moderate fats. And all of that's been great. And Monday to Friday, it's been absolutely spot on. Um, I've been out twice on the weekends, uh, but instead of drinking beers and ciders and cocktails, which is what I've been doing in the past, I stuck to um, vodka soda lime or tequila or um, bourbon. And so making those shifts meant that my calorie 
intake from socializing dramatically reduced. Plus, I didn't eat anything when I was out as well. So I made sure that either I didn't, oh, um, I made sure I didn't eat all of my calories for that day, or I trained more to create a bigger calorie deficit, and then had low calorie drinks when I was out as well. So as far as um, my personal journey over the past kind of two weeks has been going, it's really interesting that if you're if you know what your energy expenditure is, if you're training regularly, because I've been training kind of like five or six sessions a week, if you're um, putting a moderate deficit, then you can lose fat at a completely sustainable rate and live your life and be flexible with what you're eating and make sure that it's not going to be something that you have to like sack off completely. There is a way to have a lean, athletic, attractive body without having to sacrifice all the things that you guys like and enjoy. You know, it's it's a unfortunately it's a pre it's a misrepresentation from the fitness industry to you guys as to what you have to do in order to be in great shape. And for the vast majority of people, it's just understanding what your actual energy expenditure is in a numbered format, like how much energy do you burn a day? How many calories do you burn a day? And then making sure that you're consistently kind of 10, 15, 20% under that. In that realm, the side effects of being in that position are so small that for the vast majority of people, they're completely sustainable. And if you lose one pound a week for a year, you've lost 52 pounds, which is a very large amount of body fat. And for somebody that has that much fat to lose, that that's gonna be like game changing, completely change the shape of that person's body. And then if in the process they're adding on muscle mass as well, then it's gonna be like nothing, not people you wouldn't even recognize you. It'd be completely different. So um, yeah, like that's an update on my journey at the moment. It's going really well. I think probably, um, Dependent on what the back specialist says tomorrow is going to depend on what I do with my nutrition and this whole process. But I'll be honest, I'm actually really happy with how I'm looking at the moment and I don't really care too much about getting leaner than I am. Um, so yeah. Right, moving on to uh, the second training question of today's live. The question is, um, how can you listen to your body when you're training? And I think that this is probably something that a lot of people think about because you hear it from PTs a lot. You'll hear it from fitness professionals and they say like, you've just got to listen to your body. You've got to understand what your body's telling you and be smart about things. And they talk about it from like a really abstract sense. And I'm not going to lie, I've definitely done that as well. And I think that it's because we kind of get caught up in what we're doing and we don't really think about it from like the external perspective. So... But if I was to say you need to listen to your body, what does that even mean? How do you guys know what that even means, right? So for us, the way it works is that we will do something, we'll be aware of what the thing is that we're doing, and we'll apply our knowledge of training, of whatever it is, to us and then we'll go, okay, we'll associate the feeling that we're getting in our body to the thing that we are doing and therefore be able to understand that, okay, in the future, if I feel this, 
then I know that I'm in this position, right? So that sounds, <laughs> I've just replayed that in my head as to what I just said, and it's probably gonna sound really confusing, but let's take an example, right? So if I'm on an assault bike and I go for 30 seconds, 100% flat out as hard as I can. If I do that, then I know I'm gonna be in absolute pieces at the end. I'll probably be unable to talk, really struggle to breathe, won't be able to move, I'll be literally on the floor, potentially be sick, it'll be horrible. Like 30 seconds on an assault bike will level most people. So I know from experience what is happening there. I know that I'm going through aerobic, uh, my aerobic, um, sorry, I'm working anaerobically initially using phosphocreatine as a power source to move my legs. I'm then working through potentially aerobic for a little bit, but then anaerobic glycolysis, which basically means using, uh, creating energy from glycogen without oxygen. And what happens as a result of that is you get a massive buildup of lactic acid, right? And effectively, I know all of that. And so I can think to myself, right, this feeling at the end, lying on the floor, dying, gasping for air, unable to lift a finger and look at people and talk and comprehend anything other than, am I ever going to feel better than this? Is my body in a state of massive oxygen depletion, massive um abundance of lactate and hydrogen ions and so that is what i mean i can feel what that is so in the future i get on the bike and maybe in that 30 seconds if i don't want to feel exactly like that then i listen to my body and I go okay i'm gonna work hard 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 up to a point where it's not gonna put me in that state so instead of me working at like 100% for those 30 seconds, I'm like, okay, I can I can go, that was my 100, I'm gonna bring it down 10%, I'm gonna work at 90%, I'm gonna be able to sustain that 90% pace, not being a piece of sweaty mess on the floor afterwards, and then within a bit of time, I'll be recovered and I'll be able to do it again. So that's definitely what I mean, is like, that's just one example. You can use that as a reference point for lifting weights, for choosing if you want to go heavier, wondering if joints are going to be stiff or sore as a result of training. All of these things, listening to your body is basically as a result of experience doing something. You've got to be able to associate the feeling that you have in your body with the thing that you're doing and what the state is that your body's in at that time so in the future you're going to be able to relay that feeling back to a previous time and then make that connection and be like oh, okay i've had this before i know what this feeling is i need to just rein it in a little bit and then i'll be able to continue or then i won't get hurt or then i won't be in a sweaty mess gasping for air on the floor <laughs> So that is what listening to your body is and how you should do it. It's basically just knowledge and association and experience. Moving on to the second mindset question. Uh, this one came in and <clears throat> the question is, how can I prioritize things in my life? And for me, I'm quite a logical person. And so when this question came in, I thought to myself, right, 
this is dead simple. We can knock this one out of the park real fast. All you have to do is get a pen and paper, write down on that pen and paper all of the things that are important to you. All the things that matter, that you've got to get done, like on on your Wednesday or on your Thursday or whatever day it is today, get a pen and paper and write down all the things that you've got to do and then literally just list them of which is, if you could only do one thing, what would that one thing be? Okay, then that's clearly your most important priority that you need to get done. Then next thing under that, right, if I didn't have to do that, what would be the next most important thing I'd have to do? Right, two next to that thing. And you just go down the list, literally just numbering these tasks or things that you have to do that day. And by the time you come through, there won't, there'll be a list of stuff and they'll be like, right, these are my priorities. These are things that are most important for me to get on today. And then that gives you a framework. Now, if something comes in during that day and that thing is important, then you have to be effectively able to imagine that list, take that new task and compare it to those things of priorities, those tasks, and then bang, flick it in and put it to wherever it needs to be on that list of things so that you are able to prioritize those things. Now, that works quite well if you've got um, kind of physical tasks that you need to complete, you know, wash the dishes, go to the gym, take the kids to school, eat lunch, whatever. It can be a lot harder if you're thinking about priorities from a mental perspective, like what are my priorities in my head? Am I trying to prioritize being a good person? Am I trying to prioritize work over family life? Those kind of things. And so it does get harder because you might not be able to just list all the things that are important or that are things you need to complete initially. That's where you have to be critically understanding of yourself. That's when you have to start asking yourself tough questions and then talking to people about those things and trying to like kind of understand who you are and what you're trying to achieve. And that's when those things can then fit into the list. Because often we go through life and we're like, completely unaware of the priorities that we have we're completely unaware of who we are as people we don't really critically analyze ourselves and we don't have people that we can talk to about that but if it's one thing that i've found um in the kind of recent history is that actually taking the time to understand who you are is such a powerful tool and like understanding what your values are and all of those kind of aspects of your personality. And then from there, you can, um, you can really understand what your priorities need to be. So I hope that kind of helps guys. I think that's kind of like my, my simplest way is literally just writing a list, thinking about the most important thing, clearing that one off, thinking about the next most important thing, clearing that one off. And then if it's a much deeper element of your, like your psyche or things that you value as a person, then it's a case of understanding what, who you are and critically critiquing yourself. Moving on to uh, the last of the nutrition questions. This one came in and um, talked about my fitness power. So the question was, is my fitness power important and is tracking obsessive? Now, 
we hear it quite a bit when people talk about tracking your food. They go, oh yeah, no, it's just, I find it so obsessive to be like weighing my food or tracking what I'm eating and all of that kind of stuff. And my first answer, my first response to that is, do you record the weights that you use in the gym? Do you record the amount of sets that you lift? Do you record on your watch, your Fitbit, your Polar, your whatever? Do you record your steps? Do you record your sleep? Do you record your activity level? Yeah, pretty much all of that stuff you record. Yet we don't class any of that as obsessive. We just think that's kind of normal. It's just that unfortunately when it comes to nutrition, a huge marketing campaign um, way back in like the 90s, 80s and 90s, basically made everyone think that counting calories was an obsessive thing to do. And it was a completely unnecessary thing to do in order to achieve your weight loss or fat loss goals. And so it's kind of been demonized, which is, in my opinion, a really bad idea. To be honest, they're just trying to keep you from the foundation of what weight loss and fat loss is all about. So in my opinion, I would say that tracking your food is one of the best tools that you can do to lose body fat and keep it off and, and educate yourself on nutrition. Because if you go through life and you're just eating food as and when, that's cool. If you're completely happy with just letting your body be a representation of those foods. However, if you want to have a if you want to be lean and you want to maintain that lean physique, then you're going to need to understand how many calories are coming in and how many calories are going out because that is effectively the foundational principle which governs whether you're going to be lean or not. If you don't know that thing, then you're you're literally trying to play pin the tail on the donkey with your fat loss and you're going to be really frustrated. And that's why so many people are frustrated about it because that's something which has been kept from people. So by tracking your food in MyFitnessPal, you're going to very quickly understand <clears throat> how many calories are in food, how those foods make you feel, whether they make you full or whether you're hungry very quickly afterwards, whether they are high protein, high fat or high carbohydrates, whether um, they're going to help you or hinder you from getting to your goal. They, you basically will get a free education in nutrition from tracking foods in my fitness pal and understanding like, oh wow, I didn't realize that this food had so many calories in it. I had no idea that I could eat this few amount of calories and feel full. You'll basically be able to learn all about nutrition and about your personal diet by tracking the foods that you eat. And it's, it's exactly why the very first thing that I do for any of my new online clients is I'll get them to record all of their food and all of their um, liquid consumption for two weeks in my fitness pal. And then we'll talk about what it is that they've recorded. And often the very first thing they'd say to me is, oh, I had no idea that I was eating so much or on the complete contrast, oh, I had no idea that I was eating barely anything. You know, like, oh, you know, I skip lunch here or there. I'm at work, I'm busy, whatever. But then they realize just by putting it in that actually they're skipping lunch four days of the week. Their breakfast is an Americano with a muffin from Starbucks. And then their dinner is like a thousand or 1500 calories. And they're wondering why they're not in, um, don't have the body that they want. 
you know it's it's something like that which is like a stark realization you you have this understanding you know effectively you know knowledge is power and when it comes to nutrition understanding what you eat and how it's affecting your body is such a vital tool in being able to understand how to maintain the body that you want without it causing you stress in your head like i don't stress about food i don't stress about eating anything because i understand the effect all of these foods have and i know that if i'm like at the moment i know if i eat 2800 calories and i train five days a week i'm gonna lose fat and i know at the weekend if i stick to roughly that amount of food but i just have maybe more cookies or more uh, guacamole it's not going to be the end of the world knowledge is power anxiety is often caused by a lack of understanding and a lack of knowledge around food and its effect on the body so i'm not surprised so many people struggle with anxiety around food because they don't really understand the principles and the foundations of which everything is built on and they're just fed off at extremes and absolutes like cookies are bad or spinach is good or I don't know, dairy is bad for you, gluten is bad for you, like all of these kind of things. Like you can pretty much eat whatever you want as long as you apply certain principles and you have an understanding of nutrition. You can have a body that you're happy with and you don't like worry about and have insecurities and don't have anxiety about. So in answer to the question, my fitness power, I would say, is very important, and I don't personally think that tracking is obsessive. Once you get used to it, you'll find it really easy to do, and my fitness power is actually fantastic because it remembers all the common foods and your recent foods, and then you can literally just click, and it takes like 30 seconds. Once you've been tracking for like a week, the actual time that it takes you to track each day is such a small amount of part, such a small part of your day that it's almost crazy to think why would you not do it when it gives you so much and it takes such little thought process now moving on to the last question that we got coming in from the uh from the training element this one um is relation to cardio so the question is how much cardio do i need to do in order to hit my goal and um again this is quite a vague question but it allows us to kind of talk about the differences between certain people and the role that cardio plays in their fat loss journey so i recently took on a client who um is quite a small person she's four foot eleven and so i'm going to use her as one example and i'm going to use myself as the other example so for someone of her size her calorie requirement is very small it's only about 1200 calories a day right so she can literally eat 1200 calories and that is not malnourished that's not a lack of energy that is what most people would really struggle to eat but because she's so small it is actually the right amount of food for her so for her to create a calorie deficit of 500 calories per day that's actually going to be really really difficult to do with just food because it'd be quite unfair and very difficult and potentially damaging to say right you only need to eat 700 calories a day i mean obviously you need to get adequate amount of protein roughly one gram per pound of body weight and then the rest made up of carbs and fats and 
So a gram per pound of body weight, you're looking at like 500 calories or 400 calories from protein for that one person, which means 300 calories left of carbohydrates and fats, which is basically nothing, which means they'd only be eating protein. It'd be a very difficult diet to stick to. It wouldn't be potentially very tasty, um, quite awkward, and it's unlikely that it would be stuck to for very long because it's so extreme. Because effectively a keto diet without the fat, it's just protein. And, um, and so for someone in her position actually doing regular bouts of cardio to create a bigger calorie deficit which allows her to eat more food is potentially a much better idea than just creating that calorie deficit from food. So let's say 500, 400 calories a day from cardio and then 100 calories a day from uh, food allows her to be in that 500 calorie deficit without having to effectively eat a really shit restricted, super high protein, super low carb, super low fat diet. So in terms of her, that would be a really good idea. Whereas for me, because I eat so much, 500 calories a day is not a massive percentage of my total intake of food. It means that I can, instead of eating 32 or 3300 calories a day, I only, eat 2700 calories a day i'm still able to get my protein intake i'm still able to get a lot of carbs and a lot of fat which means that my diet is a lot more balanced it's a lot more enjoyable it gives me a lot more flexibility and freedom and so i theoretically don't need to do as much cardio to create that deficit in order to hit my goal as the small female client on my left so in terms of whether cardio is important to you in order to hit your goal, overall from like a health perspective, training your cardiovascular system is a good idea. You know, you want your lungs and your heart to be completely capable to do whatever it is you want them to do. And including cardio as part of your um, like weight training and your training program is a smart thing to do. But if you think about this from a purely calorie perspective, if you're a small person and your energy requirement is quite low, then including um, including cardio in your training program regularly is gonna allow you to create a bigger energy deficit. Whereas for someone like myself, I don't necessarily need to do it as much because I can create that deficit from food a lot easier. Um, <clears throat> so with most of these things that we talk about, it is, taking the information and applying it to yourself and thinking about how this information can be used for you, basically. Now, moving on to the last question we've got today. They've been excellent, guys. You've actually been really, really brilliant coming up with these questions. And remember, if you do want to get your questions answered, then all you have to do is follow me on Instagram at david.bertwistle and get those questions in either slide into the dms or you can check my story a day before this podcast goes live i always put up on my story a question tab where you can ask me questions and those are the questions often that i will directly answer in this live in this podcast so don't hold back guys this podcast is led by you the viewers the watchers the listeners all the wonderful people. So um, yeah, don't be afraid, get involved. The last question, this is on the topic of mindset. And the question is, what is my definition of happiness? Da, 
that's quite a big question. It's a it's a tough one to be honest because my definition of happiness in the past is different to my definition of happiness now and potentially is going to be different to my definition of happiness in um, 10 years time. I think that as with most things in life, it is going to change, time is going to affect it and what matters to me now and in the past and in the future is going to change and so right now my definition of happiness is comes from various aspects of my life. I like to be proactive, I like to be moving forward, I like to see progress and so I get happy when someone books in for a consultation call. Like I see it come up in my inbox and in my diary and I'm like, oh yeah, like that makes me happy because I feel like I'm moving forward. I feel like I'm helping someone else. I feel like I'm growing and developing as a person. I get happy when I get fantastic feedback from my clients that like you saw on my story today, if you guys um, had a chance to look at it, one of my clients is on holiday and for the very first time in her life, she doesn't feel like she wants to eat all of the food that's available to her because the work that we've been putting in to lead her up to now means that psychologically she doesn't feel like she's she has to get it in now you know because she's had that flexibility she's relaxed a lot more around food and feels a lot more comfortable with being around sweet things and doesn't have to consume every sweet food in the world so that makes me happy to see that i've positively affected somebody else um it makes me happy living with my family it makes me happy doing better in the gym it makes me happy um feeling like i'm I make my parents proud, you know. I think what now I'm becoming more aware of is that my happiness is linked to other people as much as it's linked to myself. I used to think that I could go through this world by myself. I used to think that I knew the answers to everything, that I could solve every problem, that I could make my life exactly as I want it with just me and I didn't need anybody's help. And I think that was potentially as a result of my idea of what it meant to be a man. You know, you had all the answers. Whereas now, what makes me happy is being around my family, being around my close friends, um, feeling that that thing inside my chest of like contentment. And just like being in a place that I know that I'm loved and I feel secure and I don't feel judgment. Those things make me happy. So like being content in the moment that I'm at, but also seeing progress in my life. And uh, I think that's kind of, for me, where it's at. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what you guys, what your thoughts are. What is your definition of happiness? What, what matters to you? You know, those are the kind of things that I think that if you've listened to this, have a think of that right now. What is your definition of happiness? And on that question, I'm going to leave all you wonderful people for another week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Thanks for watching this live on Instagram. Everyone that has been engaging with me live, that's been amazing. Thank you so much for listening to this on uh, iTunes or Spotify or Anchor or wherever it is you're listening to it. And as always, please be an absolute legend and just, just tap that five-star button. Just give me a cheeky little review. 
just you know a few nice words that would be amazing it does help it helps me to grow this to reach more people to help more people and um, just to kind of grow this little community so ladies and gents thank you so much I'll see you all next week for another episode of the Coaching Confidence Podcast goodbye